0: Hello, and welcome to episode 46 of Tech Swamp. We have our host and friendly membership team here today. Hey, Brad.
1: Why, hello there.
0: Hello, Caitlin. What is up? You know, just membership chilling. Of course, just chillin'. And of course, myself, Alex. Um, all right, so this month we're sitting down with OG, friend of the pod, and senior director for public policy, Graham DuFault, for a chat about the somewhat recent Open Markets Act. Um, We'll be talking about the ins and outs of the bill, how it could impact small businesses in the app economy, and how it could even be a threat to consumers. But before we get into that, we're going to hit tech history and run through some DC headlines. October 26, 1985, 36 years ago, almost to this very day, the infamous Marty McFly time traveled in the cult classic movie, Back to the Future. Since we're in the thick of spooky season, we thought it might be fun to take it back to the future. (laughs) Um, with some fun facts, this tech history. Um, So first things first, it was the top grossing film of 1985, racking in $385 million for just the first film in the series. Um, Apparently, former uh, President Ronald Reagan was amused by Doc Brown's disbelief that an actor like him could become president, uh, so much so that he had the projectionist stop the film and replay the scene as he was watching. Um, Reagan seemed to enjoy it so much that he even made a direct reference to the film in his 1986 state of the union address saying quote as they said in the film back to the future (laughs) where we're going we don't need roads (laughs) keeping it in the dc bubble if you will in december of 2007 back to the future was selected by the library of congress for preservation in the national film registry as being culturally historically or aesthetically significant uh and a personal fun fact um <clears throat> I spotted Doc Brown, aka Christopher Lloyd, at Bertie G's, a uh, restaurant in Santa Monica, while we were on the California leg of the developed tour. Um, so he's really a part of the membership team at this point. Um, Can confirm. Uh, can't confirm. Uh, and the rest is tech history. That sound means it's time for What's Brewing in DC. Brad and Caitlin, what are the top tech headlines?
1: Remember last episode when I said you might have heard about a little thing called the Infrastructure and Jobs Investment Act, a.k.a. the infrastructure bill? Mm -hmm. And then I gave an update with the hopes it would pass and we would keep you posted next episode. Well, we are still waiting. That's right. The infrastructure bill still has not made its way out of Congress and onto the president's desk. With the October 31st window quickly closing in, Democrats only have a few legislative days to get the bill finalized and passed. What we can expect to see, according to Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, is a vote out of the House this week and then the bill heading to the Senate where it is expected to pass through a budget process called reconciliation with a simple majority. It's important to note, with the chamber split 50-50, all members of the Senate will need to vote for it to pass before October 31st. We hope to have a final update on this legislation in the next episode of Tech Swamp.
2: Well, Facebook is back in the hot seat after a damning whistleblower report on the internal workings of the company was released earlier this month. That report inspired some hackers, which led to a major breach and disruption of service, not just on Facebook, but Instagram and WhatsApp as well, impacting more than 3.5 billion users worldwide. Since then, Frances Haugen, a former Facebook employee who came forward as the whistleblower, testified before Congress and revealed more inner workings of the corporation, including that Facebook consistently chooses to maximize profit rather than implement safeguards for users, and that they also intentionally hid internal research that showed the true impact and harms of their products, particularly for children. To see her testimony and learn more, head to the show notes.
1: Senator Cortez Masto recently proposed legislation that seeks to establish an improved infrastructure to help usher in the next 6G wireless network, as well as work to deploy better 5G infrastructure and close the digital divide throughout the country. The bill, called the Next Generation Telecommunications Act, has bipartisan support, with Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Senator Roger Wicker among the bill's sponsors. This legislation aims to establish the Next Generation Telecommunications Council that will advise Congress on issues related to 6G, smart cities, and broadband deployment. We'll keep you posted on this legislation in future episodes of TechSmart.
2: And President Biden recently nominated Jessica Rosenworcel to be the official commissioner at the Federal Communications Commission. Now, Rosa Russell is currently the acting chair of the FCC. She stepped up to fill the gap after the last administration. But once she's officially confirmed by the Senate, she's going to be the first woman to lead the FCC in, a, in an official capacity.
0: And that's all for What's Brewing. And for this month's policy discussion, I'm going to throw it to Brad, Caitlin and Graham.
2: And as we mentioned earlier, we're being joined by OGFOTP and Senior Director of Public Policy Graham Dufault for a breakdown of the Open App Markets Act. Hey, Graham, thanks for joining us.
3: Oh, thank you for having me. And if I'm if you're going to be an acronym, OGFOTP is, is it's a pretty good one.
2: I think so that it's you. DC's best acronym. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes, yes, much better than than the alternatives. I love it. I'm an OGFOTP. Thank you.
2: <laughs> well, I want to just jump right in because I just cannot wait to talk about the Open App Markets Act. Um, so can you kind of give us a rundown of, of some of the context behind what inspired the bill and then kind of go into just some basic info on what the Open App Markets Act is?
3: Absolutely. This is a, this is a really interesting piece of legislation that is really similar to a bunch of state bills that we saw introduced last session. And fundamentally, it really gets into... Requiring platforms—that's a you know an app store basically—to allow third-party app stores and apps on smartphones, rather than providing just a single app store specifically for Apple or Google devices, the two uh, biggest ones. So there's a couple of ways it does that, and the core of the bill for me it has to be Section 3D, which is an interoperability provision, or it's described as interoperability, but it looks a lot like the non-discrimination provisions in similar bills. And it says the platform has to provide, quote unquote, the readily accessible means for users to install third-party apps or app stores. And I say third-party apps or app stores because those are those are apps or app stores that are just not approved by the, uh, by the software platform. And software platform, usually when I talk about software platforms, I'm talking about a combination of the app store and operating system. And I put those together because an app store, you know, um, in in current circumstances will approve apps and say, you know, this meets the minimum security and privacy requirements. It's going to comply with terms of service and all these other things. And therefore, you know, it's accepted onto the, onto the app store, but you know, it has to interoperate with the operating system and the operating system has to sort of enforce the decisions that app stores make. And so, uh, you know, an app store, you know, disallows a, uh, an app, then the operating system has to also you know, disallow access uh, to the device into the operating system features. You know, if, if the, if the app, for example, is found out to be spyware or, you know, copyright theft or something like that. Um, so, you know, if, if it's a third party app or a third party app store, this is, you know, this is software and this is, this is an app store that's just unapproved by, uh, by the software platform. So, it creates sort of a presumption the bill itself creates a presumption that the platform has to allow uh third-party apps or app stores that's side loaded we refer to it as side loaded uh, because it goes um around the the main app store process so that's that's the main sort of provision that i look at um there's also a prohibition on um or a requirement to to provide equal access to uh, to information for example like personal information uh for all apps uh, which is another you know really uh, um, seemingly kind of narrow uh, requirement, but it ends up really getting into the core platform functions that uh, app makers uh, really kind of depend on uh, to have this trusted ecosystem. so that that's it in a nutshell. there are other parts of the bill, but those are the main ones that I think are worth mentioning at the top.
1: Absolutely, and thanks for that
3: It, it seems like,
1: um the Open App Markets Act hasn't included all of the troubling provisions from some of the other pieces of legislation we've seen, both at the federal and state levels. Um, but can you explain a little bit more why a bill like this is something that we're going to continue to keep our
3: eyes on and uh, have potential concerns about as well? Absolutely. Um, you know, there, there are sort of three main problems that we see in the they're sort of in separate buckets, but they all go to the same issue. Um, you know, number one, by prohibiting a platform from uh, taking steps to remove an app that's a bad actor. And, you know, for our member companies in in too many cases, you know, they've had their entire app stolen or they've had pieces of their of their app stolen uh, and that they end up on, on the app store. Unfortunately, despite those vetting functions, um, you know, it, when they when they uh, go to the app store and they say, you got to remove this, this app that's stolen my content. Um, they want to be able to rely on the, on the platform uh, doing that and and taking the other app off. You know, if, if there's a presumption that removing any app is illegal, um, platforms probably won't do it anymore. And, and that's a, that's a shame. You know, that's part of what, uh, you know, what the, what the app companies that Register to be iOS developers or Android developers pay for. So IP thieves is one of the main reasons you know we have an issue. Um, Spyware is another one. We have uh, a recent Federal Trade Commission uh, consent order against a company called Spyphone, the legitimate purposes of which were for parents to track their kids and understand what what their kids are doing on their devices and. It even, it, you know, the the highest level of access for spy phone enabled the user to get access to like the messages and the emails that were sent from the device really invasive. All of it required it, it was only available for Android phones because you had to sideload the app. Um, uh, and and um, the other purposes of, of the app were uh, to stalk people, right, which, which is an illicit purpose and that's why the ftc um went after them because um you know they were encouraging uh their users to to spy on on other people uh, and so it was only available for android devices because it had to be sideloaded uh, and android does allow people to side so- sideload software um, not by default but if you go into the settings you can allow side loading of software on a on a per source basis so like you can you can enable side loading from for example chrome so when the ftc entered this consent order it said you know um basically side loading creates these issues and and there are some serious risks to privacy of uh you know having people side load software uh like this so the open app markets act would presume that it is illegal for the platform to remove spy phone. So it's, it goes diametrically against the FTC's purpose in preventing stuff like, like spy phone. Um, probably more insidiously though, it just gets into, um, basically pushing the fundamental vetting functions of, is this, is this app going to be, uh, safe to download for my device? and and for me in terms of is it going to steal my data and use it for nefarious purposes um, it takes all of that vetting out of the hands of the platform and pushes it to the consumer and you know i i for one have more than just three or four apps on my phone like 100 apps on my phone i'm not going to vet every single you know app maker the maker of the starbucks app whether they you know did it in house or, or contracted for it from, you know, one of our member companies or, or a, a, a company that's similar to one of our member companies. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to look into that company, um, and figure out whether or not what they what they've made is secure and is not going to, you know, compromise my device or my privacy. I love being able to rely on the platform for that. Uh, unfortunately, you know, Uh, Because of the way the Open App Markets Act is is drafted, you know, the consumer would have to do all that on on their own. Um, And what what's going to be the effect of that over over the long term? And, And in general, the effect is going to be that consumers just just won't download stuff from companies that they've never heard of. And that's the profile of App Association members. They're not they don't have this big profile like Spotify and Match Group um they they have a much smaller profile and they depend on uh, the platform being able to cultivate this this marketplace Um, take away their ability to cultivate the marketplace and and you disproportionately disadvantage smaller companies
2: okay so let's get real for a sec i kind of want to get into what some of the critics um of of us being critics of this legislation are saying. Um, so, you know, some people are saying that Google and Apple are are really loving the ability to, to remove apps so that they can kind of cut down on competition um, and competitors. And they're not doing this with the intention of trying to keep the platform a secure place to do business. Um, you know, specifically, they're saying that platforms just want to maintain like a walled garden around their operating system. This is not about security at all. Is this actually true? Is this what we've seen in practice? And and what's some of the other pushback that we've seen uh, to this legislation that, that we can kind of, um, you know, work through with keeping our small business members in mind?
3: Well, it's an understandable concern. They, you know, the concern is that, you know, the ability to uh, remove a competitor um, from the platform because you control the platform um, is – it's only natural for for people to be concerned about that, and so I I don't I don't disagree with Congress you know closely looking at this,
2: right?
3: You know, um, and and so it's it's probably it's an appropriate you know line of inquiry. We do have an issue with you know inserting the government into those decisions in a way that creates all of these negative consequences, and um. The security practices here, and, and the argument mm-hmm. that uh, you know the ability to maintain a walled garden uh, uh, helps security helps the security position um, of the operating system and the device. There's there's a lot of merit to that, and there's evidence showing that uh, you know, for example, iOS's versus Android's approach. Um, has resulted in a little bit better security, quite a lot better, bit quite a lot better security. And so, you know, for the fast past four years, I think it was found that Android devices had about, um, 15 to 47 times more malware infections than iOS devices. And I think the variation between 15 and 40, 47 is a wide variation. I think probably is due to the variation in the types of devices, um, that Android provides a, an operating system before, uh, for. And so, you know, it's a, um, saying that you have to go through the app store, um, and then the, you know, maintaining a, a policy at the, at the, at the platform level, the operating system level of no side loading is, um, just a, it's, it's a structural means of preventing, uh, more risk surfaces and that has to cut down on on security risks i understand the argument that it also helps uh you know apple and and to to some extent google is helping itself by having a default of of no sideloading you know helping uh you know their own position on the platform to sell on the platform um and you know that is true. You know, it helps it helps them create a better product that developers want to go to, um, and and the other thing I'll mention too is that the the products are differentiated, um, whereas uh, it's a not as rigorous a review process to be on the Android uh, um, uh, on the on the Google Play Store and on the Android devices. Um, there, is, there are more cons- potential consumers worldwide. So it's a, it's a shorter process. There's more consumers, um, you know, potentially a wider market. And then you've got all these different types of devices that Android supports that iOS maybe doesn't. So you've got that going. And then on the other side, on iOS side, it's a longer process to get through. And you know, they put you through more of a ringer on privacy. Um, but there you get a different set of consumers and you are associated with this ecosystem that has a little bit more of a a, a security first profile. Um, And so the products that iOS slash Apple and Android slash Google are providing are differentiated and developers tend to to like being able to to choose between those two uh, from what we've heard. so that is uh that that's something to note and that you know um there are different ways of approaching security and it's not just a single you know monolithic uh way of providing security and and reducing the the risk profile um but uh you know a lot of folks are asking you know how do you get into this question of whether or not providing privacy is a smoke screen for you know, getting a, a competitive advantage. Well, um, you know, w- what we observe is that all the, all the steps that these platforms are taking to provide better privacy, in turn, provide a, a, a better product for for consumers, and also for developers at the same time. So it's, uh, it's something that's, that's worked out well for the market, uh, despite sort of the all of the questions about whether or not, you know, it, uh, it helps the competitive position too much uh, you know, of, a of a particular platform.
1: Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Uh, we also wanted to ask what the app economy might look like if legislation like the open app markets act went into effect. Can you paint a picture for us? Talk us through what it might look like as a developer and a consumer on the app store in a world where the OAMA is in effect.
3: Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, so for for developers, in in the short run, you know you might see you submit an app and it's a subscription based book app, let's say it costs ninety nine cents to download, and um, so after a few months you notice that downloads have decreased, and you know um, after being consistently high, and then you 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 find out ultimately that there's a copycat app out there and somebody else is is taking. Downloads that 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 should go your way and and uh, and basically stealing your revenue. So um, your ability to get that app removed uh, is um, greatly hamstrung. You can't go to the platform and have them remove it necessarily because w- either with the non-discrimination bill or, or the Open App Markets Act, there's sort of this presumption that the platform can't do that. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so but over over the long run, what you'll see is that um, as, a, as a developer, you'll see that uh, consumers are just less and less willing to just trust that an app on an app store uh, is not going to um, upset their privacy expectations. It's you know, it's not going to uh, be basically a pirated app. Um, you're going to find out that um, In order to do well on the app store, you got to already have this big profile and that is probably the biggest problem uh, for 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 developers that that would result from, uh, you know, from a big non-discrimination regime or from from the Open App Markets Act. And so um, for consumer, I think the um, the problem you're going to see is, uh, you know, the the, the corollary to, to what the developer. Is going to see, and so um, unfortunately, you're probably just going to uh, have to do the vetting yourself and sort of um, make sure that what you're downloading is uh, um, is not going to hurt your device. And you have to do uh, all of the vetting and, and determination whether or not you want to download an app, um, all all sort of on on your own rather than sort of relying on the on the platform having uh, made those initial vetting. Um, decisions.
2: Absolutely. I think we see a lot of similarities between, you know, Open Markets Act and some of the state bills and some of the other bills we were talking about when it comes to those kinds of um, potential situations. Um, Just because the legislation is different doesn't mean the outcome for our members will be any different. Um, And so definitely some things that we need to keep our eyes on and monitor, um, as we move forward, um, and as Congress moves forward with this legislation. Um, so Graham, before we let you go, what do you want to leave listeners with? What is some words of wisdom from OGFOTP?
3: Yes. Uh, I I think, you know, the, the, the last thing I'll I'll mention too, that, that consumers are going to, end up with in a regime where platforms are not allowed to perform these platform functions is that there's just going to be there's going to be fewer choices because right now it doesn't it doesn't take a whole lot to get to get started as as an app maker you've got the 100 hundred dollar developer fee you got to pay the developer um there are there are pretty low barriers to entry at this point for app makers, and that has resulted in there's two million apps or so on, on the iOS platform. There's more on, on the Android platform. There's a lot of choices that people have, but those choices are going to be culled down, I think, if, if you if if you disallow the platform from providing uh, the IP IP policing help, the vetting function. The the simple uh, ability to remove uh, bad actors or apps that just for whatever reason, don't want to comply with operating system controls. Um, you know, the the at the at the platform level, being able to control your pri- privacy and go in your settings and say, I want to I want this app to allow I want this app to have access to my location when I'm using the app, you know, those um, frankly, consumer friendly uh, privacy controls and the ability to have the platform um, uh, gatekeep at at your discretion, at at the consumer's discretion. Uh, You know, once that goes away, you suddenly as an app maker, you got to do all that yourself. And you can't offload those capabilities to the platform. And that's, that's the world that's envisioned by the folks that really want these bills. Because if you look at the proponents, it's match group, it's Spotify, it's Epic Games. It's these multi multi multi-billion dollar companies that don't have to offload, uh, you know, those functions to, to other companies anymore. They probably did at one point, but. Unfortunately, they seem to have, want to pull up the ladder now that they are in the position they're in right now, uh, and and their main goal, I think, is to sort of reduce the costs uh, for themselves, and they don't they don't want to pay the commission for the app store anymore. Um, you know, unfortunately, the effect of getting themselves out of that obligation would be to increase costs for small companies because again, they wouldn't be allowed to offload all of these functions to the platform because the platform will be prohibited from from carrying them out. Um, so th- what I would leave folks with is just that the 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 bills unfortunately are mainly a means of shifting the costs from the really successful, really big companies on the platform down to the smallest companies. And that's why we oppose that's why we oppose the bills. That's why we have concerns. And that's why we're going to sort of continue advocating on this um, and making sure that uh, smaller developers' voices are heard.
1: Well, those were some really insightful closing thoughts, Graham. Thank you so much for joining us
3: today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And uh, hopefully didn't didn't go on too long. Thank you. Uh, it's good to be an OGFOTP. It's the best acronym to be.
2: As we said, best
0: acronym in DC. <laughs> All right. It is time for Random Identifier. Brad, you're up first. What do you got?
1: Of course. I'm going to continue my trend of Australian bands because it's still kind of sunny and not not summer, but I'm still pretending <laughs> like it's summer, okay? Um, and this band is called The Terrys. They're uh, like brand new. They just started at the end of 2020 during oh. the, the quarantine and uh, they play some great surf rock music um and they're called the terrys this is kind of a fun fact because they all lived in a trailer owned by this guy named terry terry's not in the band but that's they amazing. because terry let them live in his trailer they named the band after him uh, <laughs> i love
0: that that's yeah. a really fun fact if you yeah. hadn't told me that fact and that they're from australia i would have thought that maybe they're from terrytown which is a oh. small town in upstate new york but it's no. possible
1: but, uh, I was thinking,
2: Terry as in Terry cloth, like oh, the towels, because yes. it's beach rock, Surf so, rock, so I was yeah. like, oh, towel, Terry's okay. Oh, wow, I would've been terry's. thinking
1: it's on Terry. Like oh, like oh, my gosh. Gosh.
0: <laughs> guys, we're creative. We
1: are. <laughs> That's right. Wow,
0: good for us. Um, <laughs> wait, wait,
2: what's a song, an album? Yeah, what, what happened?
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I, I think it's just called like meet the Terries or something. It's just an EP is all they have out right now in a couple singles. But that's uh, great.
0: How did you find the them out of curiosity?
1: I actually, this one, I am pulling from my fiance, Andrea. She found them. No um, way. And she showed me them and they were super cool. So I was like, yes, I'm going to talk about them.
0: That's awesome. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. Um, Caitlin, what about you? What do you have for us? I have a little personal tidbit. Um,
2: I became an aunt over the so weekend. exciting! <laughs> yeah. My sister and her husband um, had their baby, Oakley Quinn Sovine. Um, and fun fact, I was very excited. Everyone who listens to this podcast knows that I am... Maybe interested in astrology. So <laughs> I was like, get the birth time. You better get the exact one. Like, I, got, I have evangelized my family a little bit. So they, they followed directions. They got the exact birth time. I was really excited because um, Oakley uh, was born at the same exact uh, minute that I was. No the time. Way. And it was wow. exact to me. So I was like, oh, my gosh. Very fun fact um,
0: for for me and my connection to my niece. <laughs> yeah. So what, what are you most looking forward to about, like, future aunthood? Going into debt. Yeah, cool. For, like, <laughs> all the cute stuff you have to buy. All of the things that I'm going to
2: have to buy for this child. Yeah. Like, I'm also very excited to, like, have a young woman in our family and, like, champion her and, like, be a, a support in her life. So very much looking forward to my, my life as an aunt.
0: Yeah, I'm excited for you as a new aunt myself. It is very wonderful. And rewarding. I know, you know. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I buy stuff. I just like see stuff and I'm like, well, guess I have to buy something else for my niece <laughs> or something else for my <laughs> nephew or maybe they need. You're telling me some books. good things to buy. Yeah. And I, was,
2: I took note. Yeah. Yeah. The cart.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, I actually got to see my niece and nephew this weekend and it was really wonderful. They're awesome. Kids are great. Especially when you can like well, I, anyway, the point is kids are great and nieces and nephews are particularly great because you can influence them, but then you don't have to deal with any of the fallout of your influence. It's wonderful. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I love actions with minimal to no consequences. Yeah.
1: yeah. Being the cool um, aunt. You guys yeah. are living it.
0: Oh my God. It's all I've ever wanted really. Um, and I, I feel that I'm doing it well so far. I bought them both fuzzy shoes, so I feel like I've really excelled thus far. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you'll do the same. I'm excited to hear about new purchases that you make for them. Oh, for your and needs. I'll let you know. Oh yeah, we'll hear oh, yeah. about
1: them. Oh yeah,
0: it'll be great. <laughs> Especially the the holiday season is coming up. Oh, time to spoil babies who don't remember it at all, but you do. Mm-hmm. It's great. I'm excited. I'm excited to hear all about it. Um, do it for the gram. Do it for the gram. Do it for the gram. And for like the future pictures, like when they flip through the photo album, whatever that will look like in the future. Um. That was weird. That's weird to think about. Anyway. <laughs> um, well, speaking of seasons, I want to talk about Spooky Season because it's my favorite season. And I've been celebrating it since uh, really the last pod, which is when I talked about a spooky show that I started watching. And then I watched all of the spooky shows. Um, and now I've expanded to spooky books. But they're not really spooky. Yes. Like, they're, you know, they're, like, spooky in the sense that like they're, they're, like, about spooky things. But they're not, like scary books necessarily like I'm not reading Stephen King he's a little too scary for me um right. but so I um so I'm about to finish a book called The Ones and Future Witches which is about witches in Salem um and then I read a book called Final Girl Support Group um which is about the women who like are essentially alive at the end of a horror movie who like have survived you know like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre obviously it's like not real Um, but anyway so like the premise is like that they all get together and have like a support group and they meet like monthly and they talk about their experiences Um, but it's like a spooky book so like obviously that's just the beginning but I don't want to spoil anything Um, that's so
2: interesting my friends and I always say when we watch scary movies like we actually would prefer to die because like we don't want to live with the
0: trauma after
2: so that's a really wait what's it called
0: final girl support group final
2: girl support group okay i made a note
0: yep and then i read (laughs) i read a really stupid book that was delightful but stupid called the ex-hex about a witch who puts uh, a hex on her ex-boyfriend um (laughs) yeah spooky um and then i have one more that i'm gonna try to get in uh before the end of the of the times but of course i can't remember the name of it which is not helpful um Oh, Everyone Knows Your Mother is a Witch, is what Witchy. it's called. Yeah. So there's a bunch of witch. There's a lot of books out right now that are about witches. So I think as a culture, as a society, we're really uh, connecting with witches. So I bought a bunch of books about them, I guess. When you
2: said that you were celebrating spooky season, like yeah. at the beginning, you're like, I've been celebrating spooky season since, and I thought you were going to say since I was born.
0: Well, <laughs> also that, also that. That's totally true. Um, I, I even, I'm a, uh, yeah that's also true i've had a skeleton <laughs> onesie since the days where i didn't even get to pick my own clothes um and i will be wearing a skeleton onesie over the weekend for real spooky times so yeah you should. yeah i do love the spooky season it's the best <laughs> um, all right folks that's it for tech swamp if you heard anything on here that piqued your interest head over to our website and make your way to the podcast section we'll have notes on today's episode that include links to all the good stuff
2: and we now have transcripts available. You can find them in our show notes as well as on Podscribe.com. Just search "Text
1: And don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher. And of course, we would love a raid review—five stars only, please.
0: And that's all for today, folks. Everyone, say bye. 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 bye.